0: say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers my name is matt king i'm your host here in the city of chicago joining me here is glenn fitzgerald the president of mission usa hurry up the caffeine buzz is wearing off <laughs> so joining us is jed brewer the director of mission usa productions
1: hey guys i'm not tired at all glad to be here
0: all right joining us all the way from SC, one of the pastors of christ community church lee younger
2: i just ate a double stuff oreo how was it
0: it's was good man it's still,
3: it's still good. It's still happening. That's what the people want to know about.
1: I'm, I'm sure. glad to have a partner in crime that's also talking through his food on this podcast. Thank you. It makes me feel less alone.
2: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ramp the Oreos <laughs> into my mouth from a, <laughs> Nor from did a bag he go on Oreos. a search
0: for the crunchiest food possible. Yeah. Was a. Yeah,
3: yeah that's what, what we was
0: last with. week when we had, uh, we had pie. Yeah. On the, di- the dinner we had before we came yeah. to do the podcast. And Jay, Jay and Glenn's wife was very helpfully wondering, would is Jed going to want pie? Jed likes a podcast right. snack. And uh, Glenn and I put a little bet on there that, no, he would try to find something much louder. Totally. And he came downstairs with an armful of animal crackers and Lay's potato chips.
3: That's absolutely yeah. true. Uh, making yeah, no part of that Went up. right past the pie, because that would have been quiet.
1: Well, you know, you can eat pie in a noisy way. I mean, you can have a lot of a lot of scraping on the plate. You know,
0: no, no, we don't know. Nope.
1: On that nope. basis, I declare an emergency—an
3: emergency. An emergency. I, I, as
0: Well, you should <laughs> tell I, us I, more. That's
3: a getting dead out of trouble emergency. Hello. Now, here's what's happened: is uh, look, people are fascinated. With about how this podcast comes together. They want to know right. all the ins and outs and details and whatnot. And sometimes they get into like, you know, little, you know, debates and little discussions sure. on how does it all happen. Now, one of the things that's fascinated people from the beginning of the podcast is how does it arrive in our current time frame when we're listening to it. Right.
0: I literally don't think anyone but you has ever had a problem figuring that out.
3: Because what we do, now, and we've talked about this in the past. So today, let's just nail this down so people are clear on it. We record this now. We're recording this now.
1: Right. Right. Yes. In the present. But when they. Like hear- where, where we are. Right.
3: Now, when they're hearing it, it's not now, it's later. Yes, that's the future. Okay. Yes, that's
0: actually the whole point of recording. That's what that word means. Because,
3: uh, you know, we're podcasting it. Right. Now. Right but they're not receiving it till later. That's right. So
2: when when we cast the pod, there's a time difference. Exactly, there's a whole time. We st- cast it somewhere that's not now. Exactly.
3: Now what happens is, we tried to get Matt to explain that to us because it's confusing. Right, really not. And we went through lots of, is it like this, is it like that? When's it on? What channel is it on? Right. And okay. we just could not work it out. I want to set
1: my VCR to record it.
0: Yeah. Right. It's very telling that Ba that you just rad yourself out there by we asked Matt to explain this, meaning we threw out insane theories, not letting Matt actually talk. Right. And explain this very simple concept. Right.
3: So what happened is we finally <laughs> just broke down and said, Matt, tell the truth. Do you beam it into the future? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you do we record it and then you podcast it to the future where right. people listen to it? And he said, Yeah, whatever. And we said, "Wow, yeah. we That's finally a very had the explanation. accurate impression of what happened." <laughs> That's high tech, man. So we've been dealing with this, and we have to try. This is the thing: we record this podcast, we're dropping the wisdom, amazing knowledge, but then we have to try and explain to people. You're not hearing this when we say it.
0: No, you no. I don't you're, think. I literally think no one has ever needed an explanation on that.
3: You're hearing it in the future. Exactly
0: right. It's beamed
3: into the future. Other podcasts. Clearly, not beamed into the future.
0: No, literally everyone, that's what podcasting is.
3: This one's beamed into the future. It is. It's
0: amazing.
3: Okay, so here's what happened is people try to work out what happened. Because what we tried to explain on the podcast is that right now, uh, we're trying to rise up in the podcast game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard. It is. It's not easy. We, we there's a lot of competition out there.
0: I feel like this is Glenn's pitch for podcast Eight Mile, <laughs> and and yo, and, and this uh, is rise this... up that podcast game, son. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> you know what he said? Rise up the podcast game. Yeah, look,
2: every time there's a hip hop reference, Glenn melts a little bit.
3: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's true. A little party
2: Glenn, dies is, inside. is
1: this... Do you have a secret love of hip-hop that you're ashamed of? No. That deep down inside, you like to just get down to a Run DMC record when no one's around? Run DMC, uh, I, I, I'm with you. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Are you just saying there's hip-hop and you're with me on it? Uh, it anything
3: on the other side of Run DMC, you've left Glenn me. Glenn only
0: likes Adidas-centric hip-hop.
3: i I just only like hip-hop songs where at the end they go, a hip-hop-a-hibbity-bee. <laughs> that, that,
2: Joke as soon as he left four that four people. Out, Glenn likes it, his hip-hop to be adorable. Exactly right.
3: Now, here's what happened. is We're trying to come up in this podcast competitive environment because we want to rule all podcasting. Right. With, he, with
0: a
1: cruel, capricious <laughs> fist of iron.
3: That's
0: the way sure, Jesus wants. One podcast wants- to rule them all. That's how that works. Yeah, that's how Jesus wants it.
3: Yeah. So we've been trying to come up and get them sweet, sweet podcast numbers. Who's sitting on top? Joel Osteen. So we yeah. said we're gunning for him <laughs> in a Christian way. You follow? Totally. It? Sure. We don't want to. <laughs> we're brotherly <laughs> purely, loving him.
0: Purely metaphorically, gunning for him.
3: Right. So we said we're going to start a beef. And we, but what happened was, did we say beef is on? We said beef is on.
1: Yeah.
0: And then that's from the Glenn approved hip hop era beefs. And then he (laughs) he
3: he totally ignored us because he don't care. Right. And then we had all kinds of things go wrong. We realized, wait a second, this podcast is beamed in the future. He's hearing it in the future, where in the future the podcast is already the number one podcast.
1: Right. Probably we assume.
3: And then he's sending time traveling cyborgs back into the past to keep us from sure. rising up. Right. Yeah. Not the present Joel Osteen, who's cool as far as we no, know. No, he's a great guy. Future Joel Osteen is is well, cle- the overlord. Is clearly yeah trying to get so, us. So, there's so, like an
2: origin story that we're missing where he like really went bad.
3: That's that's the whole exactly. So now here's what happened. We get a, a, a an, an email
0: come into the email machine. Sure. And um. Glenn made us buy a separate laptop just to get emails. It was easier than explaining it to him. Yeah, This this stuff is
3: complicated, y'all. Now, uh, this comes in from attentive superfan Mike Blissett. Whose middle name, I believe, is Glenn. There you go. That just tells you he's cool. Glenn Blissett. He goes down smooth. Now, I just want to declare something here, he says. And you know what? Right away... We'll do the declaring, all right? <laughs> yeah. Easy.
1: Yeah. Take it easy. That's what I'm talking about. We'll ask the questions here. Right.
0: Glenn feels about declaring things the way that young children feel about ringing the doorbell at Halloween. <laughs> if somebody else does too many declarings in a row, Glenn gets a little angry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so people have been sending their questions. This is, this is Blissit. now. He's written in. He Quote. Says, so people have been sending their questions to this email address, and you've been reading them on the podcast, right? That's All accurate true. so far. Now, the podcast is beamed in the future, also true. This is where things fall apart. But people write the emails in the past. Whoa. Oh, Lord. I'm writing this email right now. Okay. No okay. We don't have proof of that, but that's what he sure, says. So he claims. Right. So he claims. Allegedly. Allegedly. So, if you're reading this email on the podcast, does that mean I'm currently listening to it in the double future? Whoa! Have you just been buffeting the entire future with emails this whole time? Mm. Now, here's the thing: this is complicated. This is. is what this, this is what you call science. Yes,
0: it, it's definitely not science.
3: And we like to deal in the facts. Totally, sure. Science to facts—that's what we give out on this podcast. You're
0: compounding lie upon lie.
3: So this came out; it was on the interwebs, right? And we have we go ahead.
0: And we just
1: want to be clear because I think a lot of these kids are confused. The, the interwebs, I confused. It's, not like a, it's not like trucks.
3: No. Not.
1: It's it's a series of tubes.
3: It's a series of tubes. That's how this works.
1: Yeah, because if, if you're not following us on that, the rest of this is really not going to track for you. Yeah, right. this came right
3: down the tubes of the interwebs. That's what I'm talking about. Like okay. those things
0: they used to have at the bank where you could put your check in a tube. It's exactly it's a bunch
2: like That's of exactly yeah. how this works. Thank the information you. information comes in like that.
3: Finally, Matt's on board.
0: Welcome now. to Internet for 70-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay, so we have working for us an uh, amazing dude named Pete Lawson. He's actually supported by the Bridgebox subscriptions okay. that you guys, him and his wife, work for us. And He listened
0: to our live Wheaton show. He was the bearer of the physical red flag.
3: Yeah, he, he kept the red flag going. Uh, so he's around, and he's one of our dudes, and he explained this entire thing. He broke down the thing. right. Okay. So I'll read that explanation, and this is very basic stuff. Y'all sure. will be able to follow this. He says, while I am writing this in the past of the podcast, you're reading it in the future past of the podcast. Osteen has, has already lost in the future, and certainly the double future, but his, back, his battleground is the podcast's future past. The time when podcasters read the emails, since to Osteen, me writing this, is a new aberration in the past, which he is viewing from the future, obviously. That which is oh, a future past for the podcasters is a past-future, which Osteen is trying to prevent. So basically, that, that's what I've been saying all along.
0: What? It's impossible for that to be what you're saying, because that's not saying anything.
3: It's a it's a simple. That's basic, somebody
0: playing Mad Libs and filling in every blank with the word past.
3: It's a simple explanation. Uh, it, now, sometimes people say, you know, this is all full of uh, conundrums and paradoxes and space-time continuums and time dilation effects and right. quantum singularities. Right. And we say, absolutely, totally, that's what's happening here. But people get confused sometimes, and we have to explain it and break it down.
1: I don't want to be overly pedantic, but I I should know, the, the plural of paradox, I, I think we're all aware, is, is paradoxin. So, just as a point of order, I just wanted to be clear right. on that. I believe right,
0: paradoxin right. is two wiener dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I that's the I
3: think. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, that's what we're trying to... What we want to do here is try the best that we can to... to round up and explain and answer all these questions about, uh, you know, paradoxes and space-time continuums and whatever, so people understand how this whole past-future thing works. Absolutely right.
1: Absolutely right. Sure. And it's it's important. It's important because, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, I'm trying to figure out what do I do with my future? Right. You know, how do I know what to do with my future? Well, are you concerned about your future or your double future? Exactly Could
0: we not blend the insane rambling part of the podcast (laughs) into the saying things we want people to apply to their lives part of the podcast?
1: This is the thing. It's all part and parcel, Matt.
0: It's really super not. You know. Because this is- here's how I know it's not. Because I have very good friends who can't listen to the first 15 minutes of this podcast <laughs> and just skip to the past the nonsense.
1: Well, I don't think anyone should listen to the first 15 minutes of this podcast.
0: And the
3: the last 45 is a, a little dodgy. Oh, yeah, I think the key thing is to recognize if you're looking to choose a major, consider what might happen in your double future as exactly. yeah, right. your past future which we're able to view from the past to tell you about your future. This is simple science here.
1: Look, I know we've, we've, we've thrown down a lot of knowledge here today. Uh, we've we've you know, talked about a lot of stuff. It's easy to get confused. Here's the takeaway. Here, here's the thing you need to remember. Um, if you feel like there's someone in your life trying to keep you from listening to the Say That podcast, the odds are they are a time-traveling cyborg right. sent by future Joel Osteen to destroy you right that's the takeaway it's exactly. very simple right very easy to remember and uh you know be afraid that's the that's the battle we're fighting here. that's the battle we're fighting let's
3: say you're listening to a podcast and you're blasting at a maximum volume as you should be which is the appropriate level yeah and your your landlord says hey keep it down in there probably a time-traveling cyborg I th- do. You, what more proof do you need? Yeah, we're just trying to help the people, Jeff. Yeah, man. That is
0: neither proof nor help.
3: Yeah.
1: Let's say you're listening to the podcast and a friend calls you and says, "Hey, you want to go grab a burger?" Wow. Probably a time traveling cyber.
3: Right. It, that in that moment you got to be like, "Whoa, hold up, what's your game?"
1: Yeah. Where's this coming from? Right. Yeah. How long have you been working for him? That's right. You you know what I'm talking about? Yeah.
0: I exactly. like that we've moved past objectively not helping in the first segment of the podcast yeah. to undoing good advice we will do later on.
3: Yeah. Well, let's uh, end on that note. Emergency. I
0: declare emergency off. Now, Glenn's <laughs> probably a little embarrassed about this and he didn't deem to share it. But when he answered the email that Pete sent us around back, he used a very specific phrase yeah. that he claimed he made up. I, I leave it to you, Internet. He said the whole thing seemed a little wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. He then went on to say, which is a thing I just thought of. Don't. There's no need to check that out. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole
3: thing. When you're dealing with where, where does the podcast come from and how does it arrive to me in the future, it's wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey.
0: Sure, instead of time being a strict line from cause to effect... Yeah. From a strictly non-subjective, non-linear viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey exactly.
3: stuff. Which I coined that phrase.
0: Sure. That's,
1: that's quite catchy. That's
3: yeah. Quite good.
0: Yeah, thanks. Welcome to the week we found out if any BBC lawyers listen to the podcast. <laughs> That'll be fun. Okay, so we want to say a real quick word about Bridgebox, because that's what I have to do now, and that's not the reason that Jed and Glenn go on insane ramblings in the first segment. Nice segue. <laughs> Just seeing how many bodies we can fit under this bus. Woo! All right, so Bridgebox. We've got a... I actually... We're doing some recording these and banking them, so I have, really can't think of when this is coming out. It'll be the future.
3: You're, you're trying to say that you're confused. <laughs> yes. because That's what
1: I'm saying, Lord.
0: Because when does this uh, episode arrive?
1: It arrives in the in, future. In the future. But I think it's going to arrive in a future where we're giving away journals as a sign-up gift.
0: There will be journals. And the I'm also thinking that the topic for the Bridgebox, the month of September, is what What do I do when I have to get started? How do I get started in a new place? There you go. Uh, so it's very topical for folks maybe heading back to college or starting yeah. a job or moving or any kind of thing like that. So we want to do that in the month of September. So Jed mentioned the journals. A lot of you guys may not know Lee... Actually does some printing and stamping stuff in his, uh, he has a little extra, little side business, little shop where he does like some greeting cards and stuff. And we commissioned him to do a little thing for us on the idea of my heart is whole, ah. which we had thrown around a little bit when people talk about your pieces of your heart and your soul ties and whatnot. Our kind of counter campaign to that we're kicking off is my heart is whole. That's based on Ephesians 1, 4. Does that sound yeah. right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Somebody, somebody reads the Bible. Woo! The rest of us are just heathens, hoping to get in on singed eyebrows. There you go. But so the long and short of that is, if you sign up in the month of September for Bridgebox, you will get a free one of those. It's a moleskin journal with some very high quality printing on it. So if you want to uh, use that for your devotional, use that to uh, remind yourself that hardest whole thing. It's got a very nice little Bridgebox logo on it. So. Not only do you get sermons, songs, videos, Bible studies, all sorts of extra goodies that will come in the middle of the month, you'll get that journal as well, all that for only $8 a month. And if you're already a Bridgebox subscriber and would like one of these, you can sign up a friend. So you can just do your normal Bridgebox thing and then send us th- their email as well, and we'll email them off a guest, guest subscription and give you the journal. So all that, missionusa.com bridgebox. All right. Questions. Yes. Yay. By the way, speaking of uh, emails and our friend Pete, he had sent me an email earlier this week saying he had gone back into the archives. Uh oh. Which you can do. Nice. At saythat.podbean.com. That is every episode we've ever put up. Um, he was listening to, I believe, episode six. Whoa. And he that's said,
3: Whoa, inadvisable. That's deep.
0: Don't do that. But he said the first question st- was read at one minute forty-six seconds into the episode. No way. <laughs> So we're about at the
3: same time frame. Sure. Now.
0: So if you listen to this podcast, so roughly imagine that in two years this podcast will be eighteen hours long. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Expands at its current rate. All right, our first question then came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, "What's the difference between serving and people pleasing?" Glenn, can you kick us off?
3: Absolutely. I and and. I think a lot of us struggle with this. I mean, when you're doing the Christian thing, you want to make people happy. You, you know, you're, you're turning your life uh, towards something positive. You want people to feel good about that. That's reasonable. The difference between serving and people-pleasing is a difference between making you happy and pleasing yourself versus pleasing God. You know, when we, mm. we serve the Lord, we're uh, looking out for God's best interest, what God wants to see happen. And sometimes that means being sweet and lovey-dovey. Sometimes that means telling people uh, you're uh, sort of violating some personal boundaries here and you need to you know, pump your brakes. Uh, sometimes that means confronting people. Sometimes it means all sorts of things. So uh, if your focus is on the Lord, you're able to switch all those gears and be where you need to be to get stuff done, what have you. But if your focus is on I want to please me, I want me to be thought of well, I want to be, I want everybody to like me. If that's your focus, if that's your mentality, then what you're going to end up doing is compromising over and over again on the stuff the Lord wants you to do. You end up um, compromising your message, uh, compromising your values, uh, compromising, in fact, your own happiness. Uh, and you're going to get into that and and end up not fulfilling those things that God wants for you to fill, you're not going to enjoy that, and they're not going to respect you. That's, that's a funny thing. Yeah. People can respect someone who's, who uh, has some strong values, has some character, and stands their ground, but someone who just kind of folds under to people please, they, those people generally don't have respect, and they don't have you know people uh, having healthy relationships with them. Second thing I'll say about that is don't make excuses that involve you doing good acts. What I mean by that is, um, uh, if you're around us uh, for any length of time, you'll hear us use the phrase, there's one right thing, but many good things. There's lots of good things you can do. It's good to go to church, good to read your Bible, good to be nice to people, good to whatever, good to help old ladies across the street. All these things are good, but there's one of those things God wants you to be doing right now. That's the right thing. Uh, If you say, I'm going to ignore the one right thing that God's calling me to do now, and you swap out for that doing good things and use that as an excuse to not do the right thing, then you're not in a righteous place. You're not serving God. You're actually not living as a good Christian either. You're just doing things that you know to be sort of generically good and using that as an excuse. And we want you to get away from that. Uh, look for that one right thing even if it's a hard thing even if it's a not nice thing even if it might hurt that relationship whatever it needs to do god's gonna give you wisdom what that needs to be and finally uh it's about uh focusing on helping as opposed to focusing on being liked Mm -hmm. if the goal of this thing is let me be liked let you know i want everyone to think i'm cool (coughs) excuse me you're going to get into an area where um, you're again you're compromising on that message and it's you know you're 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 saying all this stuff and, and laying it out in a way that uh, doesn't have the teeth that it needs to have doesn't have the heart and the passion that it needs to have it doesn't have that loving confrontation that it needs to have and it ends up just getting watered down and watered down and watered down like you know some, televangelists we know that it's all just cotton candy and sweet and you know whatever but there's no real meat to that no real challenge to that but if you focus on helping people you know you'll realize that every now and then you have to um, lovingly confront people lovingly challenge people and exhort them to something better
0: absolutely lee
2: um well I, I, I loved all that stuff that Glenn said, and that's just fantastic. I, I got a real quick thing on this and and it might ki- kind of feel a little cliche. You may have heard this idea before, but I think one thing that we want to look at is uh, if I'm tr- having trouble figuring out, am I trying to serve this person or am I just people, am I just people pleasing? One thing you want to look at is where what place am I coming from? Am I coming from a place where I'm already spiritually filled up? and i'm kind of like and i'm i'm serving somebody from the overflow of of i'm filled up from the lord i've got i've got what i need from him or is it a deal where and and i'm serving somebody who is in need or am i the needy person yeah. who's approaching somebody who's already got what they need yep yeah. and i'm and i'm trying to get something from them so if you could like uh, you know i wish i could kind of draw a diagram like uh, up on top you've got like like you've got you got a person that's filled they they've got they've got their needs met they're they're good to go and then uh, down off to the side you've got somebody who is in need and then is which way is the arrow going are you the full person who's overflowing who is trying to meet someone's need that actually has a need or are you the needy person at the bottom trying to get some, a need met from the person who's already filled up? That's a very simple thing, but, um, and it might even be kind of a cliche, but I think if it is a cliche, it is because it's true, that, um, that the, whole, the whole difference on whether or not I'm trying to please people or trying to uh, uh, actually serve people is the person that, that I'm interacting with, do they have a need that I'm trying to do something about? And I think that's the whole question that we want to look at. Do they have an actual need that I can do something about today? Now, the funny thing is, uh, I think that, you know, I mean, we're we're all fallen, messed up people, and like Glenn said, to some degree, we all have this kind of, we all have this this kind of tendency towards a uh, people pleasing, and, and I actually think, you know, we we have. Uh, you know, all of us, we have kind of like a, an emotional soup where it's, it's hard to kind of say like, I'm completely filled up and I don't need anything. And so I'm giving everything out of the overflow or I'm completely needy and I'm looking for uh, fullness from somebody else. I think most of us are a mixed bag somewhere on a spectrum between those two things. But here's the deal. Even if you do have a little people pleasing in there, even if you do have a hint of wanting to be liked, if at the end of the day, someone has a real need and you do something. About you go out of your way to do something about meeting that person's need because you love them and because you see the need that they have, then you are serving them. Even if there, even if you've got a little people pleasing sprinkled in there, I mean we're not all we're not all going to have this thing 100% perfectly lined out. But I think the key ingredient to look at is: Am I meeting a need that someone else has, or am I the super needy person who's approaching somebody that's already filled up and trying to get them to give me something?
0: Totally, Jed.
1: Definitely. Uh, love what both these brothers said. I just want to build on that a little bit. Um, in, in order to serve people and, and avoid people-pleasing, uh, and very much along the lines of what Lee has just been saying, uh, you need to know who you are and you need to know what you bring to the table. Um, I, I'll give you a good example of that. So, um, y'all, if you don't know, you should know, Lee is a fantastic songwriter. Um, really Thanks, really Woo. gifted brother. and we're, we're really blessed to enjoy the, the fruit of his labor. Now... If Lee wasn't sure if he's a good songwriter, he would go around writing songs with the idea this will provoke people into telling me that they like me. Right? Yeah. If, if, yeah, dude. If that's an unasked, uh, or rather an unanswered question in his brain, you know, am I good at this? He's going to do stuff in a way where the point of it is to provoke people into giving him good feedback. Like, oh, that's that's great. That's really really Jed,
2: good. Jed, Jed, did you did were did you go back and listen to my high school band? Is that where this <laughs> conversation's coming from? Dude? Uh,
1: well, the thing is, I was in an identical sounding band. That's Thank you. that's how I know the terrain. Um, in
0: his own way, Jed has listened to every high school band. <laughs> they're all pretty much the same.
1: Yeah. Um, But now, Lee, one of the things that makes Lee an amazing dude is that he's a good, uh, a real good songwriter, and he knows that he is. And that's a good thing. We need to be very clear here. Christians have very weird ideas about humility.
2: And there are a lot of
1: Christians that believe that humility means not really knowing what you bring to the table not really knowing kind of who you are or what your strengths are, that is not humility. That's sticking your head in the sand.
2: Yeah, confidence is a bad word in the Christian world. Exactly
1: right. Actual godly humility means knowing who you are, Mm -hmm. accepting it, and moving on. Let me say that again. Actual godly humility means knowing who you are, who God has made you, strengths and weaknesses, accepting it, And choosing then to ask God, given that, what now? So, for example, Lee is a real gifted songwriter, and and he knows that he is, and he should know that he is. And because of that, he is able to go to the Lord and say, well, given that I am a good songwriter, what do you want me to do? And the Lord's answer is, I want you to take music, and I want you to serve people with it. The thing is, when you start serving people with it, they're not going to come back and tell you, you're so cool. You're just, oh man, because that's not what it's about. Lee, I guarantee you, I know he does, gets a lot of good feedback on his songs, but the feedback is, man, that song really helped me do business with God. That that song really, it, it helped me think about me and the Lord in a new way. Well, the funny thing is, Lee actually isn't in that equation anywhere. The b- <laughs> Business has occurred between that person and God. Amen. And, and Lee's actually not in that situation. He just happened to be a facilitator. Well, that's actual service. Right. Lee's coolness or not didn't really come up, which is the goal. That's that's the point. But the way that you get there is by answering that question, what kind of dude am I? What do I bring to the table? It's really, really hard to serve people until you have those questions answered. And here's the thing is you deserve to have those questions answered. You are not meant to wonder the kind of person you are and the kind of strengths and gifts you have and the kind of things you bring to the table. You're meant to have an answer to that. And if you don't, let's solve that problem. Find a pastor, find a mentor, write one of us, and let's get that dialogue going. God has built amazing stuff into you. He's made you a kind of person on purpose. And the more that we get in touch with that, the better we're going to be able to serve and not look for other people to validate us and tell us who we are.
0: It's absolutely a great point. It's something all three of these guys mentioned. I'm just going to tack on the end here and try to put a little bow on. I think uh, anytime we're trying to understand our own behavior, one of the places to look is what are our goals? Yeah, Uh, serving and people-pleasing have very different goals. Serving you do because God told you to. Yeah. Well, that's a dictum from the Lord that you're trying to live out to the best of your ability. People-pleasing is because you want someone to like you in the moment. Now, here's the thing. Those two things, as Lee was pointing out, could end in the exact same place. Because here's the thing. Oftentimes, God wants people to like you. All of us have a mission field. If we went out and acted in ways that made people hate us, that would not be us doing what God told us to do. But it, that, as Jed was pointing out there, that uh, motivation allows you to have a lot of confidence going forward because your success at something isn't based on whether or not someone else's emotions. You can serve someone and know you serve them and do a good thing, and they can be a little weird about it or whatever, but because you're trying to fulfill something from on high, you know that's a good thing, sure. and you don't have to count on their mood or their ability to communicate thanks or any of those things that can vary wildly from person to person or in the same person kind of from day to day to uh, count on your own self-esteem there. All right. So we're going to move on to our next question here. It also came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, when it comes to relationships, some of my pastors recommend only dating for one to two years before pulling the trigger and getting married by arguing that the longer the dating period is prolonged, the more boundaries may be crossed. What do you think is the optimal dating length? What should I should I date without knowing for sure when I'll be ready for marriage? Lee, can you kick us off? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Help
3: get, somebody preacher. Get in there.
2: Oh man. Come on. Come on. It, it, okay. Now, all, all four of us um on this podcast have been around the block enough to know when we uh hear or see something from ministers who are straight guessing. Yeah. Just they do I mean somebody has come to them with a thing they didn't pray it through they didn't think to ask anybody they didn't call anybody they're just making stuff up yep and uh, oh man
1: N-Nalee, when they do that does it sound a little bit like what's in here
2: <laughs> I mean arbitrary lengths of time uh, you know it. it's you know what it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like some kind of uh, prediction from like a witch doctor or something like that like if you date any longer than 1 year 11 months 3 days and 4 hours you will turn back into a virgin at the end of the and then Ooh. no one will ever date you and it's just like you you know it's it's one of these things at the full moon you must be married it's just ridiculous here's the thing first of all the idea that like there's a magical thing that happens at 2 years where all of a sudden now it's really hard to to uh to, to uh, you know, stand up to the temptation of crossing your physical boundaries, I think that is adorable. Um, and look, I'm making a lot of fun of this, but here here's the thing. You, you are going to be tempted... Look, if you're dating somebody, you're going to be tempted to cross those physical boundaries from day one. I mean, day one. We're not talking about year one, uh, you, you know... Uh, six months in, whatever. Day one, it's going to be a fight from the beginning. That's why these brothers have always said, that's why we've always said on the podcast, you need to have the conversation where you talk about and pray through and talk together about where the Lord is leading you, about what those physical boundaries are, and keep checking in on that with the Lord, and keep talking to each other, and keep figuring out a great strategy to, to, uh, to, to help, you know, fight those temptations. Amen. Because the, the fact is, it's, it's not one of those things where a certain length of time, and then once you cross that time, now you're going to be really vulnerable to temptation. That doesn't exist. You're going to be fighting that battle uh, the whole time. So that, number one, that's absolutely ridiculous. I think the real question is, um, uh, is it possible for you to find somebody else in your town to listen to? And, um, I'd find somebody, uh, look, and I'm not trying to just diss your pastors. I don't know anything about your pastors. It's just that this recommendation doesn't hold water. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the things that you've heard Glenn and Jed say before. If it doesn't pass the smell test, um, we need to check in on something else. So here's the deal. What I would say is date somebody and just go out on dates and talk about it, pray, pray, th- to the Lord, ask him about your physical boundaries. Talk about your physical boundaries. Get set up some strategy and some tactics so that you can fight those temptations. Talk about the status of your relationship. Be talking the whole time. Figure out what it is. It doesn't have to be a certain shape. It doesn't have to be a certain thing. But the key is, is your relationship is going to look different than everybody else's. There's yeah. you can't take uh, you can't take a, a blanket statement. And this is the template for how young Christians are to date. This is how long you have to date, and this is how far you can go and this is when it's sin and then this is when it's not there is no template like that you're a unique person the the person that you're dating is a unique person the whole thing is and this is look i'm going to throw this down and i'm telling you this is true okay when you hear pastors and different Christian folks making hard and fast rules about lengths of time and how much, and this is when it's sent, that means these people are afraid of something. And let me tell you what they're afraid of. They're afraid of a real person having a real relationship with the living God. Yeah, mm. They're afraid of a real person sitting down face to face with the living God and saying, what do you want? our relationship to be like? What do you want this unique situation to be like? Me and you, Jesus. It may not look like anything that anybody else has ever seen. They're afraid of that. So in to, to keep from being afraid of that, they're going to give you hard and fast rules. It always has to look like this every single time. But look, you are free from that you're free from that kind of tyranny, you're free from those kind of templates and those kind of rules. And what you wanna do is you wanna follow Jesus. You wanna know him and walk with him and you wanna follow Jesus. If you get that down, that's the that's the key issue here and your relationship and when you're ready for marriage it may not look like anything that these pastors or that any of us on this podcast have ever seen before it might be completely different now sometimes you might get some idea and and everybody in your life who loves Jesus might say no that doesn't sound good to me you need to go back and check with the lord on that because that that sounds like a bad idea and and and, and then you want to go back and check on that but you have walk with the Lord who is is a person a unique person and you you are a unique person, so don't settle for people giving you templates.
0: It's absolutely a great point, Jed.
1: Yeah, um, uh, I totally agree with everything Lee said. Um, we're all clear. Let me let me say this up front so that no one can later claim I didn't say it sexual intercourse outside of marriage is a sin. I've said it, we're, ah. all, we're all clear on it, yes. Um, there are way, 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 way worse things for your walk in your life than having sex outside of marriage. Yeah. It's a sin. It's not good. You shouldn't do it. I'm advising we, you not to do we it. We do not want you to do that. We do not want you no, to we do don't. that. Also, there are things other than having sex outside of marriage that can cause hugely more massive problems. Right. In your life. Uh, let's let's tell the truth for a second, Christians, because I, I think particularly for... And I'm talking to folks here where you grew up in the church. You spent your whole life in the church. I, I hate to have to tell you this, but you've been lied to. Mm-hmm. You, you've you just plain been lied to. Mm. Um, here's the first thing you've been lied to about is um, the truth is that everyone has sex outside of marriage. That's just statistically true. Mm-hmm. Basically... Everyone has sex outside of marriage. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it right. But you've been fed an idea that there are these, you know, uh, probably in faraway places like New York or San Francisco, there are these awful people that engage in sex outside of marriage. (laughs) But in the good land where you live, no one would dream of doing that. That's nonsense. Everyone is Mm -hmm. screwing around and doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Everyone. That includes people in your church. Understand? Mm -hmm. All of them are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. The number of people who make it to their marriage, to their wedding night, without crossing, a, a, you know, a serious physical boundary they didn't intend to, is vanishingly close to zero. Right. I'm not saying it is zero, but right. I'm saying it's vanishingly close. Right. And we and we need to be clear on that. that's the first thing is you've been lied to. The second thing that you've been lied to about is that should you um, cross, you know, one of those boundaries, and maybe you have already. I don't know, but but should you um, that somehow you are now a different class of person, or right. uh, your relationship is in a different class of relationships, but things are different now as a result. I know you've been told that, and here's what I'm saying: that's not true. That's just that's just not accurate in in any way. That's not mm-hmm. that's not physically true. That's not relationally true. That's not spiritually true. It just it isn't true. So what you might be wondering off of that is well. If basically everyone's doing it and it doesn't put me in a different category of relationship, then what's the problem? You know, uh, let's let's rock out. Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the reason is because you save baby making for a time when you're ready to have a baby. Ah, that's that's why. Yeah, that's that's the reason. Um, intercourse produces children. Um, and um, if, you are, if you don't have a family unit to receive that child, right. then you don't want to be producing children. Right. That's, that's why. That's, that's the big answer. The other answer is that, that sex has an emotional component to it. Right. And so you get emotionally wrapped up. And when things don't work out, it really hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, now understand it doesn't give you soul ties. Right. You haven't right. given away pieces of your heart. You, are, right. you are not impure in some sort of way that you weren't the day you were born. Because understand, as Glenn has pointed out, Jesus is pure. Right. Everyone else is not. That's right. So um, that's the thing. Is you don't want to create a child that you're not prepared to take care of. And you don't want to uh, uh, unnecessarily cause yourself pain. If you ever slammed your fingers in the door, you in that moment, you said, I really don't want to do that again. That was right. really unpleasant. Right. It's kind of like that. Now, given all that, And given that's what we're working with, I'd like to encourage you to to try something radical and say, if I wasn't terrified of having sex, if I wasn't terrified of going too far physically, how would I conceive of this relationship? If I could just, just imagine it, if I could set that concern aside for a second, how would I want to plan out my dating life? How would I want to plan my relationships? What would, how would the spiritual component work? Um, what, if, if we just knew that wouldn't be a problem, if we could just wave a wand and that wouldn't be an issue, what would we do with ourselves? Uh, we have all this, understand, I know, Christian couples, you spend most of your time being afraid. I know you do. Mm-hmm. So if we could get all that time and energy back, what would we do with it? Right. Would we get to know each other better? Would we go on adventures and go rock climbing or hiking or something? Would we go and, and do ministry together and volunteer? What would we do? I'd encourage you to daydream and maybe to pray about that mm-hmm. and talk together about it and then go do those things. Yeah. Um, that's where the actual energy is in your relationship. If y'all are a good match and a good fit, that will become 10 times more apparent when you start living those things out. If you're not a good match... That will become ten times more apparent. If you, if you go down to the homeless shelter to volunteer together and you love it and he doesn't, uh, that's... Uh,
3: you figure something out.
1: You figure something out. But the thing to know here is all this fear over going too far sexually, it's a distraction. This, this, a fear of sexual impropriety will not and cannot give you a good relationship. The only thing it can do is distract you. We don't want you to have sex, but even more than that, we do want you to have a good and healthy relationship. And to have that, you've got to let go of those distractions.
3: Absolutely, Glenn. I love everything, <laughs> excuse me, that both of these guys are saying. I agree 100%. Uh, dating is about learning. That's the point of dating. A lot of people get a little confused about that stuff. But dating is about learning. It's about learning about yourself and, and how you are in relationships. It's about learning about how to develop teamwork with another person and and build uh, a, a relationship where you're you're benefiting each other and you're a positive to each other. Sometimes you get together and you start dating someone and you realize that's not quite going to work. You don't quite line up. You don't find that way of uh, interacting and clicking together with one another, you're not able to kind of form that team. And so you move on, you find someone else and you keep going. And it doesn't mean that's a bad person or that you're a bad person. It just means we're learning how to develop these kinds of relationships. And you're also learning about what kind of a person do you want to be with? What's what what person is a good fit for your personality, for what you're doing? Um, if you don't date, you don't learn those things. I mean, you could go up to a mountain and just contemplate it and guess it. You you, you could try that.
1: Sounds really spiritual, Glenn.
3: Uh, it sounds really spiritual. It won't work, but it sounds really spiritual. Um, by engaging in that dating process, you're learning all different kinds of things. All of that is meant to prepare you for marriage and that that way when you say I want to marry this person, you know for sure this is the kind of person I want to be with. Uh, you know for sure that she clicks with you and and that that you know that you're you know compatible and all that's good and you'll know for sure how to move forward in that marriage. Here's what I know I need to be working on here's what I know. Yeah. I need to be developing and, and I, I, I've, I've identified things already in this relationship I need to fix. I've been able to fix those things. So as I look into the future, I know I can marry this person and know that as things come up in the future, I can deal with them just as I've dealt with stuff in the past. Uh, Here's the other thing. Uh, part of this is, is about self-control. Don't date more than two years or you'll self-control will run out after two years or something.
0: Okay. Self-control is under a limited liability warranty.
3: Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Uh, This dude probably thought he was being hardcore and giving hardcore advice. I'm going to out-hardcore this dude right now. Here's what I'm saying. You need to learn self-control right now. I mean, you need to get some self-control
0: We'll just leave How about out- self-control to never do that again? Yeah, bro? let's
3: just not have any sound effects let's for this portion. Let's learn some self-control now. Make it burn! I
2: know. <laughs> I thought Jed was going to say, I uh, was going to bring back Blast Your Spiritual Quads. From yeah, I, know, I, don't,
3: I don't need a Foley man for this. Part. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Now um, we're drift- that drifted a little Randy Macho Man Savage there. Yeah. Here's the thing. You need to learn self-control
3: right here, right now. You need to start working on that. You're not going to... Do much with self-control if you're not engaged in life. Uh, but if you have less control, self-control after two years than when you started, you're doing something profoundly wrong. Yes. A lot of what Lee was talking about, a lot of what Joe was talking about, is being engaged in this, in this dating process, getting it going, learning and talking, discussing strategizing, developing things. That's where really good dating, really good relationships come from, is getting in that and and working it out and and developing things and thinking outside the box, all that good stuff. And self-control ought to be a big piece of that, of like, how do we find more self-control? How do we make this easier for us to face? I'm hot for you. You're hot for me. We have to work with that. We have to deal with this somehow.
1: Now, you seem to be implying, Glenn, that self-control there might have more of a strategic component to it and less of just gritting teeth.
3: Exactly right. Uh-huh. You How are you going to develop self-control if you're simply never putting yourself in a situation where you need it? I mean, that's- Not only
2: that... Not only that, Glenn, but uh if you if you work on your communication and how you're gonna get through hard times in the dating world, then that might be might maybe be a skill that you're gonna need when you actually do get married. I don't know. But. <laughs>
3: yeah. It, look and and let's also say this um it, you need a date now. That's what you need to do. If you're
0: dealing with your best date now, yes. is that what we're going with? Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the exceptions to that if you're a, a an extremely young person your parents aren't cool with you dating you're you know 13, say 14.
0: that does not promote toddler dating
1: exactly right yes
3: it's
0: adorable but it's yeah. wrong we do yeah. however offer some puppet-based
1: instructional videos
3: yes no we don't oh, a pleasure. Not a yeah. thing. some
0: <laughs> again emergencies are bleeding over worlds are colliding yeah
3: okay here's what i'm saying if you're you know in your in your late teens and your parents are okay with that that's fine um uh, also an exception to that is if you have some sort of a big deal thing that you're working on, you're working on an insecurity, you're working, you're actively engaged on dealing with uh, sorry, of a body image thing or whatever it is. If you've got a big thing, you know, you need to deal with before you start dating, then by all means do that. We're, we're not, you know, we're not talking about that, but if, if we're, if we're past those things and everything otherwise is ready, you need to start dating now. And let me tell you why that is because uh, the, uh, let's just get into some practical realities here. First of all, if you're uh, in high school or college, you're going to be around a lot of people your age that are also single. Um, these people, bless their hearts, are telling you don't date during that period. Yeah. When you need to be learning stuff as soon as possible, when you need to be figuring this stuff out, they said don't date during that time. Wait until you have a job and a house and a mortgage and a dog and a yard and whatever. Then date somebody. Well, when you get to that point, here's what you're going to find. It's going to be incredibly hard to find someone your age that's single at your office or wherever it is that you're working. Especially to
0: find someone who's also Christian.
3: Yeah, exactly right. At that point, and if you're at that point, here's what I'm talking about internet get on it now because that's just about your only option at this point
0: he means get on the internet he was not <laughs> addressing you the internet exactly telling you to get on it
3: exactly right and because here's what i'm saying let's
0: let's I'm, I'm gonna try
3: and say this in the nicest way possible but these dudes are t- are doing a lot of don't date now date later and what we all know i mean all of us know is a lot of people, if they put off dating that long, they're kind of dating themselves.
1: Um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure I follow. <laughs>
0: yes, you do. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you follow, and you know you follow. Moving on. I'm, I'm confused. Stop it. So
3: this idea of putting off dating leads to sexual, you know, virtue or something. Doesn't? As Jed is saying, that's not how reality works. Uh, the uh, the bottom line is uh, you get that dating process going, get that learning process going. Uh, take it as a positive if, if learning's taking place. Jed, one more thing?
1: I just want to put something out there, because uh, I... If you're going to have a healthy marriage you're going to have to have just incredibly open good communication right and the time to start that is during your dating life that that should not suddenly spontaneously spring to life the day the ring goes on the finger there is in the spirit of you know figuring out how do we be self-controlled and not you know cross boundaries here's the thing i want to ask is is it possible you've been dating someone for a minute you know things are starting to get serious and and you know you're you're you know a little make out playing a little kissy face can you imagine a world where you could say to your significant other, hey, you know what? Um, I'm feeling just super, super horny right now, and uh-huh. I think we're right at the edge of me not being able to control myself. Why don't we hit pause and go get some ice cream? Right. Why, why don't we go do that? Yeah. Um, that is an adult way to handle a situation. Right. That's that's a good thing. That's good training for marriage. I think if if that sounds scandalous or weird or like I can't imagine saying something like that, I think you need to start asking why not. Right. And that would be a really good thing to look at in your relationship. Mm-hmm. What's standing in the way of us being able to communicate clearly right. and honestly and openly about our needs? Yeah, where we're right. at?
3: Yeah, because you, what you're talking about is before when the situation is not upon us. We just we're just talking about when we get to that situation. What should I say to you? What should you? What exactly? Right. What? And we come up with words and lingo and sure. whatever. Yeah, strategize that out. Man. Maybe
1: I don't have to tell you. You know, I'm feeling really you know hot and bothered. You say ice cream. Right, yeah, it's just a code word. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get up and we'll leave and we'll go somewhere public and and whatnot. But figure that out, man. Yeah, yeah. You can do that. You have what it takes to pull that off.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. One real quick thing I'll throw on the end here. I want to look at this very last bit of your question that we didn't touch on too much. Should I date without knowing for sure when I'll be ready for marriage? Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing: If you're not dating anyone, you don't know if you're ready for marriage. Right. You don't just wake up one day, declare yourself ready for marriage, and then go do that. Right. Yeah, that's that not how that work. works. That Bit of a process. All right, we're gonna move on to our final question here. I also came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, "I'm a huge fan of say that. It's correct. the best thing ever. I think yes. that's a fair assessment. That's correct. Hold on, hold on. Is this person
2: endeavor? like, is this person like, uh, like, like a superhero that can change their size? Like, are like they the size of a building? No, this
0: was not written in by Ant Man. They just (laughs) mean they are. Matt, I'm so happy that you knew that. That's what I love you about you. (laughs) Yes indeed. All right. So I thought I'd try sending in a question of my own. Hopefully you'll answer it sometime in. Glenn, you want to take this part? In the future. Thank you. Anyway, I have a close knit group of female friends, but there's one girl that's been driving everyone nuts lately. All my friends say we should forgive her or pray for her or whatever, but I just feel like she's let me down and been a lousy friend. What's a Christian gal supposed to do? Jed, can you kick us off?
1: Well, I am an expert in, that, in knowing what a Christian gal should do. So, um, <laughs> Really? That
2: right. was the name of Jed's third album.
1: <laughs> what should a Christian gal do? All right. Well, Darren, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Uh, we love you back, and we, we really appreciate you listening and, and, and writing in. Um, so, uh, you know, what your friends are saying to that we should forgive her and we should pray for, her. I mean, that sounds really Christian. Um. Uh, and I like what you're saying in terms of, I feel like this is not the full picture, she's been uncool, she's been, you know, she's let me down, so we, we have to respond to that in some way, and you're right about that. Here's part of what I think may be tripping you up, and maybe tripping your friends up, is that love is a gift. Love is something that you give people whether they deserve it or not. Um, They can act like a schmuck, and you still love them. And part of loving people is that you stand ready to forgive them. Um, You you forgive them in your heart before God, and then the moment that they ask you for forgiveness, you, you stand ready to extend it to them. But trust is something else entirely. Trust is something that's earned. Always. You should never, ever, 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 Give people trust that they have not earned. You should not do that because it's bad for them, and you should not do that because it's bad for you. When you say that your friend has let you down, what you're saying is that she's betrayed your trust, that you, you trusted her to act a certain way, you, you trusted her to carry herself a certain way, and that she didn't do that. And so what that says is that that trust has been destroyed. Well, um, the only way to, for trust to come back is for it to be earned back. Right, And that, understand, actually is Christian. That's, that's the way actual grown people manage their affairs. Part of what I think your friends are suggesting and part of what I think is bothering you is there seems to be an idea of, well, couldn't we just pretend like nothing happened and just move on? Well, you could. You could do that. But it wouldn't be a Christian idea, and it wouldn't be a good idea. Um, if someone has let you down, if someone has betrayed your trust, then that trust is gone now. That's that's the way that works. That's the way it's meant to work. And if they want you to trust them again, they have to intentionally earn that trust back. Now part of loving them is that if they do the hard work of reconciliation to earn back that trust, you should give them the trust that they earn. You shouldn't yeah. withhold that from them. But But that's not the situation that we're talking about here. Um, You looking at this and saying, I feel like this person has made it clear I can't trust them anymore. You're right about that. And, and, and right. you shouldn't. I think the the thing that's really before you, a lot of what I think your friends are communicating is, gee, we really don't want to have to confront this person. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that's really driving the equation. And here's what I want to tell you is, if you love people, you confront them. That's right. If you care about people... You let them know um, um, when um, they have harmed you. Uh, And and you do that for their sake as well as for your sake. I'm not saying you confront them when they have a sin in their life that has nothing to do with you, understand? But I'm saying when they do something to you that hurts you, betrays your trust, lets you down, you confront them. That's that's right. biblical and it's adult and mature. That's how you do it. Now, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have right. to, you know, go in there three whiskeys in and fly into a blind rage and right. you know cuss a blue streak and you know right. throw punches. And understand, we know plenty of people that are big strong men and little scary cats when it comes to confrontation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the only way they can confront anyone. Yeah. Is with a little liquid courage and a little mm-hmm. uh little help from uh, Jack Daniels. Yeah. But what you can do is sit your friend down, just the two of you, and say, "Hey." Um, you let me down. You know you did. Um, you let me down. wasn't cool. I'm just letting you know. Um, you know what? You hurt my feelings. wasn't cool. You know that you did that. Um, what I want to know is um, is that going to happen again in the future? Is, is that what you're on now? Is, right. if, this is, if you tell me it's a, it's a one-time thing and whatnot, uh, that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm prepared to be understanding and offer forgiveness on that. But if you're telling me, basically, I should just plan on you letting me down in the future, then I need to reconsider some things. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to tell me, where are you coming from here? What's, what's going on here? That is the mature thing to do. That's, that's the grown-up thing to do. And understand this, that's the only way to have actual friendships here. That's the only thing that leads to real relational intimacy. Because right now today, if we're going to be honest about it, this person is not your friend. When somebody lets you down, when they disappoint you, when they, you know, are, as you put it, a lousy friend to you, you don't really have a friendship with them at that point. Um, This is an acquaintance that you kind of are pissed at and kind of wish wouldn't be around. So if you want that friendship back, you're going to have to do something about it. You're going you're to have to sit down and talk with them. Again, that doesn't have to be an ugly thing. It shouldn't be a mean-spirited thing. I'm sure these other brothers are going to give a lot of good technique about how to confront people, and part of what they're going to tell you is that it should not be a, an emotional thing where people are raising their voices and leveling accusations, but it should be a moment of saying, look, you hurt me. You let me yeah. down, uh, and I need you to know that, and I need to know where we're going to go from here with it. You have what it takes to do that. Um, you may not have seen a lot of people model that, but you can do that. You've got what it takes. God's prepared to give you courage to do that, and we've got your back on it.
0: Absolutely. Glenn?
3: Yeah, your friends say we should forgive her, we should pray for her, you should forgive her, you should pray for her, then you should drop the hammer. Yeah, uh, those, <laughs> those things don't uh, exclude one another, as Jez rightly pointing out. And he's right, this is about confrontation. Let me give you one thing I think that will help you. When it comes to confrontation, is to set a goal to be exactly the same to people's face as you are about them behind their back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there there are times when I'm, you know, we all know those those people who say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell them what I think and I'm going to tell you know, and then they they <laughs> never do that. Just never. You just know, and it's just, and after a while you, you just tune out that little rant. You say, oh, yeah, sure, you're going to go in there and tell them. And we also all know those people who... Are talking about sister so and so. Oh, you know she's just oh you know you know what. And then tax on the end. You know we got to pray for her. <laughs> it's a big fake thing. And then sister so and so comes around that that she's been griping about all this time. Big fake smile. Hey, how you doing? Yay, good to see you. And you just you you just realize holy cow this person's a big fake. And is she talking that way about me behind my back? And when you know? Yeah, come on, dude. This stuff is not Christian. Believe me, repression of of the truth and reality is not a Christian virtue. For heaven's sake, uh, it's it's not even uh, a moral good. Uh, if you get to know me, you might hear me say all kinds of things about you know people around us or you know whatever it is. I will say the exact same thing to that person, word for word. That very. is true.
1: Very
0: <laughs> accurate. Very true. <laughs> Or that crowd of people who have invited you to speak at their event.
3: That's that's true as
0: well. <laughs> so,
3: so, you know, sometimes it's not a good crowd. And then, you know, I don't go away saying that to other people. I just tell them, you know. So, yeah, you know, the, uh, the, I, I don't want any part of my life to be fake. I think deception and lying is the same thing. So, uh, you know, sure, there's a time when you want to be Uh, uh, you know sort of socially acceptable There's, there's, there's boundaries and limits to these things but I think if you say to yourself whatever we just finished saying about sister so and so behind her back I'm going to tell her the same exact thing then I think you'll actually be on the right note in other words if she comes along and she you know she starts doing her funky behavior again and you say dang sister you know I love you but man are you driving us all nuts that's exactly what you're thinking. Yep. I think it's probably exactly what she needs to hear. Yep. Because there's a love in that. You know, you wouldn't say it that way if you were just hateful towards her, or you're resentful, or you're trying to tear her down, or trying to make her feel bad about herself. That tone says, "You know, I love you, but man, come on. Would you give us, you know, whatever?" So, and the last thing I point out about that is that giving that sort of conviction and love, as Jed is pointing out. Those two things work together very well. It's the easiest thing in the world to say, you know, sweetheart, I love you. Right now you're driving me insane, but I love you. Can you please tell me what's causing this funky behavior and tell me what I can do to help? Yeah. Because, man, in a minute somebody is going to pop you in the face. I don't want to see that happen because I love you. And I know you will put up with me and my nonsense too. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to come at you like that. I'm here to help. We got to get some help going because, man, we can't do this no more. Holy cow! You, you can come at it that way, and believe me, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna be carrying around a lot less nonsense on that, and you're gonna be helping this other person a whole lot more. And, and I think your relationships are gonna be a lot healthier because people see that you're there's a consistency to your character, whether it's you know in front of someone else or behind the scenes or whatever it is.
2: Absolutely, Lee. Okay, uh, I, I love everything that these guys have said, and they've totally handled it. I'm not going to uh, try to add anything to kind of the philosophy of that or anything like that. I just want to give you a couple of real, real practical things. If you've, if you've got a sense that I have somebody in my life I need to confront, let me tell you something that's a great idea before you make that thing happen. And that is that you need to take a piece of paper, if you've got a journal or something like that, or just a, just a piece of paper from your printer, take it out and sit down at a table and go to the lord and say lord i'm going to write down every single thing that is pissing me off about this person i'm going to write it all down i'm going to get it all out all the all the issues all the things that they've said everything that everything that's bothering me all the emotional stuff i'm going to get it all out there. The possible sins they've committed against me, mean looks, whatever it is, anything. Even if you're even if you're saying to the Lord, I know I'm wrong about this one. I'm going to write it down too. And when you have exhausted that list, everything you can think of that is a problem between you and that person, ask the Lord, Lord, I want you as I'm making this list and after I'm done with it, I want you to put a tug on my heart, a squeeze on my heart and help me understand what things are actual issues, and what is the funkiness in my own brain and heart that I need to get rid of right now? Yeah. And, and, and help me to highlight the stuff that I actually need to deal with in the conversation, that, in the confrontation. Help me to figure out what's actually the issue. And then when you go into that conversation, decide, the only thing I'm going to do, it, wherever the conversation wanders, I'm going to bring it back to these issues. I'm not going to let the emotional stuff, and I'm letting the Lord call the shots on that. I'm going to let him call the shots on that. If you've got a mentor that you really trust that's really great at confrontation, I do, then then uh, then you know, sit down with them beforehand and say, "Help me figure out what's emotional and what's the issue. What's the spiritual thing that we need to deal with? What's the relational thing we need to deal with?" Okay, so that's just a piece of advice on on how to how to handle confrontation before you get there. Now, the next thing I want to do, and this is the last thing I've got on this is, I've got a little prophecy for you and you need to hear me on this. I want to tell you what it's going to be like after you do the confrontation. This is important, okay? After you do the confrontation, there's going to be a part of you that feels lighthearted because you did the thing. Now, you may, this may happen to you, you may feel like crap when you're done with that confrontation. Yeah. And let me tell you why. Uh, this, now, one thing that's... Uh, this is fresh on my mind because this happened to me this past week. Okay, I had, to, I, had to, I had to call somebody out about something. I did it in a loving way. I did it in a gentle way. I have played it. I have played the tape over a hundred times in my mind. I, I would do it if you gave me a hundred more opportunities. I would do it a hundred more times. I think it was the right thing to do. I think it was from the Lord. I, all that stuff. And yet, I felt as, as I got in the car to leave that place, I felt physically shaky. I felt I felt uh, I felt uneasy. I felt weird, queasy in my stomach. And the first thing I did when I got back to uh, the church was I texted these three guys on the podcast and just said, "Let me just let y'all in. This is what I did. I need some prayer about it. I'm feeling funky. I think it was the right thing to do. I'm feeling funky. I got a uh, I got a lot of great encouragement from these guys." I got, a, I got a voicemail from Glenn a couple hours later and, uh, and he said this one thing that totally set me free on it, which was, he said, look, I know that what you're going through right now, some of the things you're feeling are just the adrenaline of going through a situation like that and it'll cause you to feel a lot of physical stuff. Just know, we've got your back, you did the right thing, that will burn off and when that's burned off, then, you'll, then you're going to feel all better about it. And it was like, as soon as I heard that on the voicemail, I thought, That's exactly what that was that it's a hard thing to sit down in front of somebody, look them in the eye and confront them, especially if you haven't done it a ton. And then all of a sudden your body just starts going bananas. That was, we had a fight or flight instinct going on that, you know, this, this happened to be with a bad dude, you know, and I, who knows what's going to happen. He's about three inches taller than me, that kind of thing. And so it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know what's about to happen. And that's exactly what it was. And just like he said, it burned off. These guys were praying for me and the Spirit gave me peace about it. It's all good. If you gave me that situation again, I'd do it a hundred times. All that to say, you might feel weird after it happened. Some of that is just going to be a physiological reaction to doing a hard thing, a thing that might be scary. But <laughs> I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have, you know, these guys to tell me that. So I just wanted to I just wanted to break that down as well.
0: It's absolutely great point. All right. If you have a question for us, you can find us at say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you want to get in on Bridgebox, it's sermons, Bible studies, lots of songs, stuff that Jed produces, stuff that Lee produces, all that for only $8 a month. And if you sign up in the month of September, you'll also get a free My Heart is Whole moleskin journal woo, on top woo. of that. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, you can do a guest subscription and get that journal for yourself as well. All right, thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Matt King-Beard,
3: watch week two, Still no <laughs> Wow, <laughs> oh, that was
2: great.